Good to see all of you today. Oh, man, are you handsome? Man, you look good. Um, and happy Fourth of July to all of you. And um, David, are you here? I'm sorry. Uh, um, anyway, it is good to see you today. And uh, we get to, uh, today we get to celebrate the Fourth of July and get to celebrate independence from masks. I don't know. Um, I don't know about you, but how, you know, we're going to talk today about about Adam and Eve and feeling naked in the presence of God, which they didn't have felt before. But when you when you first walked into a supermarket or Home Depot without a mask, did you feel naked? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't know about you, but I got an awful lot more exercise during that during that se- the season of having to to wear a mask. Um, because I would get out and go up to to the supermarket or wherever I was going, and get just to the front door and realize I didn't have it, so I had to go back, and uh, and get it. So it's just a lot more it's more healthy, a lot more healthy for us to to have to wear those things. Anyway, it's great to to get to be with you today, and and God bless you. Uh, if I don't know you, haven't had a chance to meet you yet. My name is Larry Kapchinski. I'm related to him, and um, I've been around here for a while. But uh, today, uh, I get to talk to you about um, the single most important thing anyone could ever learn in Sunday school. And so, so what is that? And what are we going to be looking at today? And we're going to be looking at a thing called the, the original sin, or the, when sin entered the earth, when this guy and this gal messed it up for all of us. <laughs> um, but I want to tell you something, and just so we don't really, really get in a bad place with these two. I want you to know something. If, um, if she hadn't have messed it up, if she hadn't have messed it up, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, we're going we're gonna to be looking at the, 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 the entrance, the beginning of the biggest dramatic story that has ever existed on, on, on planet Earth or in, in all of God's creation. And you're going to see how this drama uh, of all-time dramas has impacted your life and your, your very existence. And we're going to take a few minutes to... To look at the the the, enti- the the purpose of this of this message of why this story is in the Bible, and you're going to see how this omnipotent God, this all-powerful God, who created, who who spoke things into being, who said, you know, uh, planets be, and, and boom, they were there. Earth there, light there, and with the power of His word, He just spoke them into existence, and he has an authority that we need to really always keep for, for, foremost in our minds. And you're going to see how this God put a plan into existence that created a way out for any mess you could ever make. For any problem, for any time that your back is up against the wall, 
this powerful God that we serve said, you can't make a mess bigger than I can clean up. And so we, we, we live this life and we, we go through life with some, some really rough stuff sometimes. And sometimes we're aware that we're, we're, we're messing up our lives and sometimes we're not aware. And when we talk about Sunday school, I, I am a product of Sunday school. My, my parents became Christians and Christ followers when I was about six years of age. Their marriage was falling apart. Um, my, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom had, had left him. She put my sister and I on a Greyhound bus. Well, she was on the Greyhound bus, too, and we, we left. We, we, we took off and left my dad. And uh, um, one of the co-workers with my dad in the oil fields outside of Bakersfield was attending a church that was experiencing a real move of God. And, and this man by the name of Bert, uh, one of the members of this church, said, Cap, Cap was my dad's nickname for obvious reasons. Um, back then, everybody had nicknames anyway. But uh, he says, Cap, what have you got to lose? You've already lost your family. Why don't you try God? So my, my dad said, okay. So he got a hold of my mom and says, if you come back, we'll, we'll start attending church. And they did, and they had an encounter with God that, that changed everything. And, and at that point, that was when I became a card-carrying member of Sunday school. <laughs> it, was in, it was in the basement of um, the Oildale Assembly of God Church at 106 Wilson Avenue, just around the corner from the River Theater, which is later to become the studio and recording uh, headquarters for Buck Owens. And uh, it was uh, an interesting place to grow up. But it was in this basement of this, of this little church on 106 Wilson Avenue that I began to have an encounter with the greatest thing that anybody could ever learn in Sunday school. I had some teachers like Idora White, and Virgie Phillips, and M.L. Carter, Bev Akers, my dad, my mom, um, for a sweet little lady named Elsa Massa. And these people would talk to us and they would teach us things and they would take, they would take these flannel graph stories and, and, and to get our minds to start thinking. And, you know, we would see how people would move, you know, across. You know. It wasn't until I got into Bible college that I found out that, that people in Bible times didn't walk like this. But as I began to, to learn the, the fact that, that this, this great, 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 the greatest issue that anybody could ever find out in their lives, this deep, heavy, strong, theologically correct, absolute teaching of the most important thing that I could ever learn, and it was, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, the little ones too can belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, yes, Jesus loves me. That's one of the reasons I'm not in the worship band, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but 
I was, I was brought up and I learned that, that Jesus loves me. That the world can be against me, but, but Jesus loves me. That there is an enemy out there that is set to destroy my life, who has a, a horrible plan for my life, and he wants to destroy me, but, but Jesus loves me. And yes, there was the issue of, of, of sin, that I, that I was born in sin, that I am by nature a sinner, but God has made a way. And I was taught at a very, very early age, according to, to, to John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that God gave his son to pay a price for my sins that I could learn to trust and I could learn to believe in him. That I didn't have to be separated from God. I didn't have to feel distant from God. And, and we'll get into this a little later on in, in the message today, but I didn't have to feel naked in the presence of God. I didn't have to be ashamed. I didn't have to say, oh, I'm aware of something that I'm undone. I feel inferior. And Jesus loves me this I know, that I could have assurance of my salvation, that the Word of God was telling me some things that I could bank my life on. And, and in Romans in chapter, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, my Sunday school teachers were telling me that if you declare, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And, and I knew that, that, that when I made that confession, that something was going to take place, that God was going to forgive me of, of my sins. As, and, and I, but I knew, even at a young age, I hadn't dealt any drugs, I hadn't killed anybody, I hadn't robbed any banks, but there was something inside of me that was undone, and I needed forgiveness of God. You know, at that age, my, my biggest sin was a spitball in Sunday school. <laughs> but even at that, I needed to confess with my mouth and believe that, 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 that Jesus Christ paid a price to put me into right relationships. I didn't have that feeling of guilt. Uh, for the video, I want to I play that video now um, so you can go ahead and get it ready. But there's, a, there's something, a video that I saw the other day, and it just really... Boy, it captured my heart. And um, I want to show it to you, um, just the, the first part of it. Um, but some of you, many of you, you, you know the name Chris Christofferson. Uh, if you don't know it, you're, you're young and you don't care. Um, but uh, I want you to, 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 to watch this. It's a story about an encounter that Chris Christofferson had. And Chris, before we do it, I'd like for you to tell the story of why me, Lord, I think it was inspired by Larry Gatlin, wasn't it, in a well, way? Well, uh, I was moved by a song I heard him singing in church. Was it Help Me? Help Me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, it was. Wasn't it? Did it you was go to, at did Jimmy you, Snow's church. You uh, took Connie Smith to church, or she took you to she church? She took me to church. Uh, we had, uh, the night before, we'd been down in Cookville with a bunch of people doing a benefit for, uh, for Dottie West's uh, high school band or something mm -hmm. 
And uh, and then uh, Connie took me over to to church the next day to to Jimmy Snow's church. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I I had a profound uh, religious experience <laughs> during during uh, the the uh, session, something that I had never had happened to me before. And uh, and uh, why me came out of it. It was a very personal experience then. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, 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 everybody was kneeling down, and uh, and uh, Jimmy said uh, uh, something like, "If if anybody's lost, please raise their hand." And I was I was kneeling there, and I don't go to I don't go to church a lot, and uh, and uh, the notion of raising my hand was uh, out, of, out of the question. <laughs> and I thought, uh, I, I can't imagine who's doing this. And all of a sudden, I felt my hand going up. And I was hoping nobody else was looking, because everybody was, had their head over, bent over, uh, praying. And then he said, uh, if, if anybody uh, is ready to accept Jesus, something like this, uh, come down to the front of the of the church, and uh, uh, I thought that would never happen. And uh, and uh, I found myself getting up and walking down with all these people and mm -hmm. going down there. And, and I don't really know what he said to me. He said something to me like, "Are you ready to accept?" Uh, Jesus Christ in your life or something and I said I don't know I, I didn't know what I was doing there and he put me down <laughs> said kneel down here and and he uh, I, I can't even remember what he was saying but whatever it was was such a release for me that I, I find myself weeping in public <laughs> and and uh, and uh, I felt the, this uh, forgiveness that I didn't that I didn't know I even needed. Could we get you and Janie Fricky and Willie to? I felt forgiveness that I didn't even know that I needed. That's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the undoing of the original sin. The saddest part about the, this story is that um, Chris never followed up on this. He wrote the song, Why Me, Lord? I'm not going to play it today. You can go home and listen to it if you wish. Um, but it was just, the song has some questions, but there was no answer. There was no resolve. And as far as anyone knows, it was just an experience that Chris had at one time, and then there was no follow through. There was no discipleship. But you see, when you have a real encounter with Christ, yes, there's going to be tears and there's going to be a forgiveness that you're going to feel. But God wants us to go on and to grow on in him. He wants us to not just know that Jesus loves us, but he wants us also to, to, to grow into a strong, mature follower of him. What I learned in Sunday school is that, yes, that Jesus loves me and uh, that I had assurance of my salvation. 
because the Bible tells me so. I was taught and I was raised and I was instructed to trust the Bible. The Bible is God's word to man, and my Sunday school teachers made sure that we understood that the Bible was, in fact, the, the truth in the word of, of, of God's word. In 1 Peter, some of the passages that they expected me to learn, that I had to memorize, and they gave us rewards for doing it, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there was no, there was no uh, Tiki or, or Skylar to, to motivate us, we just had people that stumbled along on, on boards, but, uh, but in 1 Peter in chapter 1, for prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, holy men of God, uh, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was instructing men what to write. And yes, you can see men's personalities in parts of the Bible. You can, you can tell who wrote certain letters and who wrote certain gospels. You can, you can look at their style of writing and you can see who they are. But the Holy Spirit is the one that instructed them. I was going to find out later as I grew up that there's going to be people who were going to question the Bible and they were going to have all kinds of arguments as to why the Bible was wrong and how the Bible is full of errors and, and how it was confusing and that it contradicted itself. And I'd be learned to ask a question, oh, show me one. And they would have some lame little example that has more along to do with the line of a style of writing and poetic and somebody that may have, have uh, had a different point, a different op optic view. As I'm looking at Eve here, I see nothing but a silver background. You see a full, a full picture of her. It has to do sometimes with optic. But when I move around and see the, the, the true image, oh, I get it now. I get what she is now. And so the Word of God, we, as we look at it from the truth that it is God's holy Word, and that men of God, men wrote it, but the Holy Spirit was telling him what to write. The very same Holy Spirit that instructed Moses what to write in the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible is the very same identical Holy Spirit that had John cornered on the Isle of Patmos and had him writing the book of Revelation. It all comes together because it really has only one author. It has people that wrote things down, but only one author. I was also instructed and taught to, to, to treasure this next passage in 2 Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and for rebuke, for correcting and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped, that we can be ready to, to face difficulties and problems in life. And in John, in John chapter 20 and verse 3, the Bible goes on to tell us that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Bible is a written word. It's a written roadmap to take us down the right path so we don't have to wander around in confusion and wondering what is right, what's, what's really correct. Can, can I believe this? Now, one thing I want to say is if you really want to get into the Bible and look at Bible history, one of the things that you, don't, you do not want to do 
is do not go to the History Channel for instruction on the Word of God. Um, they're crazy. <laughs> they're, they're crazy. I actually saw one woman who presented herself as an authority on the Bible and on God's Word. And she literally said, the Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and they had children. And I'm going, well, what, what really came out of my mouth was, you idiot. <laughs> now, you know, be careful where you go for your sources. Parents, if you're going to send your kids to, to a state university, get them prepared, get them ready to, to face the difficulties of the Bible. Get them ready for it. I'm not saying don't send your kids to, 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 uh, to universities, but I am saying that we have an obligation to prepare our kids to get ready to face a, a really big, big challenge. I, I have sit in, in, in classes in, in state universities that was designed to destroy my faith in God. But I knew one thing, that the Word of God was true, and no matter what they said and the, the things that they Made that made made it say that wasn't correct, and I could walk out saying that's wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. That is not the truth. The next thing that I learned about in Sunday school, I learned number one that Jesus loves me, and number two, I could have assurance of my salvation, and I learned that there was an authority of the written word of God. The fourth thing I learned is that. That little ones, to him belong, they are weak. They are weak. That I, I was weak. I, I needed a savior. I needed somebody to, to make a way when there was no way. I needed somebody to help me out through some difficult times because I, because I was weak. And the fourth thing that I, the fifth thing I learned is that he is strong that God is omnipotent, that God has all power, that, that God is omniscient. He has all knowledge. I learned that God is immutable. He, he is not changing. He is not mutating. And regardless of some points of view from some of the modern heresies coming out of certain places of, of theological education, God is not changing. The Word of God is not changing. God is not adapting himself to meet cultural expectations of him. God knows he, who he is, and he is secure in, in being who he is. And it was in that basement of that church that, that I, I learned that Adam and Eve, in their place of disobeying God, that we all inherited a fallen nature. I am Polish because my dad was Polish. I'm a sinner because in, I inherited a sinful nature. But again, I know, I know, I know that if Adam and Eve hadn't have done it, I would have done a fine job myself without them. But what we do know is that God made a way of escape. God created, as Pastor Michael talked last week, God created our creation, everything around us. God said, light be, and light was there. 
Darkness, darkness was there. He created, he created the sun and the moon. He created the earth. He's created the, the trees. He, he created everything. The animals. And then God said, I got one more thing to make. And God says, let us. I, I was taught at an early age that us, that there's a trinity. There's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And they're saying, let us make man in our image. And God breathed inside of Adam his breath. We are different from the animals. We did not, we did not evolve from any animal. God created us, and he breathed inside of us his eternal breath, his eternal being, that we will last, for, we will be in existence forever. God created Adam outside of the garden later on. We have no idea the time frames or anything, but what we do know is that God had a garden there, and uh, he put Adam in the garden and said, I want you to watch over this thing and see all these animals here. I want you to name every one of them. By that, what I'm saying is Adam was not some idiot caveman walking around saying, duh, me hungry. He was intelligent and more intelligent than us, very honestly, because we live in a fallen nature with him working full capacity of, of his brain power. And then God says, Adam, you need a, help, you need a helper, and he creates Eve. He puts them in the, gar in, in the garden, and God created Adam outside of the garden where it was rough and, and tough and difficult. He created Eve inside the garden where it was more refined. God made men and women different, and he likes us that way, and he wants us to stay that way, different. Men, it's not wrong to be a man. Ladies, it is not wrong to be a lady. God likes you that way. But God being powerful, so powerful, he was able to, to create men with a free will, with a free choice. They could even override what God said was best for them. They could say, I don't want to do it your way, God, I'll do it my way. But there was also some other beings that God created that he gave a free will to also. We call them angels, angelic beings. And as I understand the word of God, they had a free will also. They could worship God or, or not. Some of them had very special jobs and very special assignments. Now, one thing I want to do, just real quick here, is I, I, want, you, I want you to get rid of the ideas of what you think about angels. Forget about the, uh, the white robes and the, uh, the, the, the halos and the wings. Instead of what I want you to do, of, at least for a certain group of these angels, what I want you to do is to, to picture them as as um, the way that the Bible pictures them as strong, confident young men, not arrogant, but assured of knowing who they are and their assignment for eternity. They have freedom and authority to enter the presence of God and enter the presence of the Trinity, to, to approach Him. And so we're going to look at three of them just quickly right now. 
One of them, we know well, we've already met him. We meet him in the living nativity. His name is Gabriel. And he's the messenger. He is the angel that when God has a special message, he wants to make sure that men do not foul up. Uh, he sends Gabriel to say, so we see, we see God sending Gabriel to, to approach Mary and say, Mary, guess what? I have got good news for you. You are going to give birth to the Messiah. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, Mary, but, but that's okay because you are going to be highly blessed for, through, through, through all the ages. Another one of these angels is angelic beings. There's a guy that, that uh, again, you know his name also. His name was Michael. And the Bible says that he is a warring angel. He was the one. He is the enforcer. When something is going on that God wants to make sure gets done, He's not opposed to sending Michael to, to make sure that something happens here. There's, some, there's a story in the book of Daniel of when God sent, sent a messenger, an answer to, to Daniel's prayer, and, and it was held up by the, the poetic express, expression of the Bible is the, the, prince, the, the, the prince of Persia. It was held up by, in essence, by Satan himself, and God sends Michael to do, do, to do do war with this angelic being that is stopping the message from getting through. And we're going to see some other things about, about him a little later on, that he is this warring angel who, with his choice of his own will, continues to serve God. Another one of the guys that we want to look at very quickly is a guy that, an angelic being that the Bible calls as the guardian, the gar in essence, the guardian of the gate or the entrance to heaven. He was sort of like the clearinghouse of the things that could come into heaven. The Bible describes him as being absolutely gorgeous, attractive, uh, glittery and shiny. And his name, we, we know his name as, as Lucifer. We, it's just a bad, oh, ooh, that's a bad name. But be, before he made the choice to rebel against God, Lucifer was the, the, the symbol of, of, of glitter of, of, of beauty, of, of a shininess. And in Ezekiel in chapter 28, there's a passage that, has, that deals with him. It says that you were in the Garden of Eden. We're not gonna, I don't have the whole thing on the screen because it's, it's too long. But um, I, want to, I want to read uh, some more of this out of, out of Ezekiel in chapter, chapter 32. I'm sorry, chapter 28. Um, okay. okay, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in, in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, rubies, topaz, emeralds, crystallite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your setting uh, in the mountings were of, of gold. And on the day that you were created, they were prepared. He is a created being. All angels are created beings. They are not omnipotent, all-powerful like God. They are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They had a starting point. God did not have a starting point. Okay, the, the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub 
For so I ordained you, that guardian, that protector of, 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 of things. You were on the holy mount of God and you walked among the fiery stones and you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until wickedness was found in you. Now, that picture that we see is a lot different picture A little bit different. So let's not badmouth Eve too much. <laughs> she didn't fall for this. And as we see the deception take place, as we see that this Lucifer, and then we'll see also in, in Isaiah, in chapter 14, the Bible's going to say about the fall, how, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, the sun of the dawn, that you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God on the uttermost heights of Mount Zephron, I will sit enthroned on the Mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Now, this is some this pride begin to come in. This issue of I am I can I can overtake God. I can be better than him. And I, I'm going to do that. So Lucifer begins his recruitment program. He knew that mankind was God's prized creation of everything that, that he created. Man was the top of it. And this wasn't this, this beautiful, attractive creature deceived Eve. And he says, he says, did God really mean what he said? Did he really mean it? Do you really think that, that I, I, I'm around God all the time? And, and I don't think he really knows what he's talking about. I don't think, I don't think he knows. He says, the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we, we, we may eat from the trees of the garden, but God did say that you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of, uh, of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's been his sales program ever since and it still works. We want to become our own God. We want to create our own destiny. He says, if you'll just eat this, it, it, it wasn't an apple, okay? I don't know what it was, but it wasn't an apple. Probably was, probably was broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Even worse than that would be cauliflower. <laughs> but what it, whatever it was, whatever that fruit was, however it was, whether, you know, what we do know, 
is that rebellion brought in the original sin to the earth. That free will caused pride. And Adam and Eve both said, you know what, we, we, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And all of a sudden, when God begins to show up, and God's walking, and the Bible implies that it was just a common event for God to show up in the, the Garden of Eden. It was a normal thing, and God is coming and says, well, you're not at our meeting place. You know, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? And um, the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from, from God among the trees in the gardens. But when the Lord called the man, he says, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the gardens, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the, the tree that I commanded not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you put here. <laughs> and the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And all of a sudden, this knowledge that they had, they realized that they were undone. Their focus changed from we get to walk with God. The focus changed from that to we're, we're inadequate. We're not, we're not properly covered. They became self-aware. They became inferior in their feelings. And you see, when we put our confidence in ourselves, all of a sudden we're going to realize that I'm not, I don't have it together. Our pride will cause us to go to a certain place, but over a period of time we realize that I don't have it together. I'm undone. I'm uncovered. And so we start doing a, thought, a lot of other things to start covering ourselves up, to build our ego up, to find identifications and other things that will, that will cover us. So we don't have to realize that without God, I, I fall short of God's glory. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above the livestock and all the wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offsprings and hers, and he will crush your head. You're going to strike his heel. You're just going to put a wound on him, but he's going to crush your head. That is the most dramatic point that has ever happened on planet Earth. God himself has said, I don't care how much you have messed things up. I've got a way of escape for you. This, the drama is going to go all the way down through, through, through time. And also we were going to see this incredible angel come to Mary and say, you're going to have a baby. And we're going to see him grow up and carry our sins to the cross to undo what these two people did and what we ourselves have done in our heart and do on a daily basis. He made a way of escape to forgive us of those things that we didn't even know that we needed to be forgiven of. And to feel that forgiveness... God's whole plan is I've made a way of escape for you. All you have to do with your free will is to choose it. 
The dramatic end of all of this comes in the book of Revelation when we see a showdown between two of these angels. We see Lucifer. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, this angel that we see, the warring angel, we see Michael coming down and he seizes the ancient serpent. And he, and he says, in the, in the, or, the, or the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the abyss. And God has made a way of escape. And I, we don't want to get into the, the whole picture of eschatology or end times right now. But what I want you to know is that the promise is that Jesus is coming back. And he has made a way of escape for anybody who wants it. All you have to do is choose. All you have to do is say, God, I confess I am naked. I don't even, I don't even have leaves on anymore. God, I'm, I'm, I'm undone. And God, I need you. I need salvation. God has made a way of escape. Maybe you are a follower of Christ, but you still, you've got your back up to, against a wall. Maybe you've made some bad choices, some wrong choices that's led you down some, some negative paths. God is saying, I don't care. I have made a way of escape for you. And this is the main, number one message that I learned in Sunday school that I serve a God who not only loves me, I serve a God who is able to make up for all my messes. And he is there to do what he did for my mom and dad, to heal their marriage. He is there to do all the things that he has done for you, to heal your marriages, to touch you in your hearts, to heal your physical bodies, to, to give you the courage to face difficulty in life. And this is the God that we serve. And that's why this is the most dramatic story that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Because no matter what hell throws at us, God wins. And I ask the worship band to come to the front. And, uh, you know, this morning, if you've never stepped across that line of faith, if you've never put your faith in God, or maybe, maybe you even had a little encounter with God, and maybe you wrote a song... Why me, Lord? I don't know. Um, but you didn't follow through. You, you really want to follow through. Yes. Jesus has promised to you, as I've come to give you life and give you life to the full. I want you not just to live. I want you to enjoy. And if you've never accepted Christ, if you've never gone all the way with him and just, just moved in with him and let him be the Lord of your life, I want you to pray with me now. I'm not going to do what Jimmy Snow may can't come up to the front. You can do it right there where you are. Father in heaven, <laughs> you just make a way, don't you? You just make a way. I, I pray right now for those that have their backs up against the wall and think, where am I going to go? Where can I turn? God, you'll come and just blow that wall out. Father, for those that are struggling with, can I really honestly trust the Bible? I pray that the Holy Spirit that inspired the word to be written will come in and remove all those doubts, those lies of the enemy, those, 
lies that, that our culture has told us, that we put our trust and our faith in the, in the Word of God that says, God so loved the world. So just right now, where you're, where you're sitting, if you've had those doubts, just go ahead, just say, God, I've had, I have had in my life the sin of doubt. And I ask that you would forgive me of that. Set me on a solid rock because, yes, Jesus loves me. And he's made a way for me. Let the Holy Spirit just walk in your heart right now. Maybe some of you just need to kind of giggle a little bit inside that, yeah, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. The Bible tells me so. Father, we thank you that you're so powerful. You can create beings that have a free will. God, as for me and my house, we choose to use our free will to say, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you made that choice today to follow Christ, I'm going to ask you to do something. That's after the service, come up and introduce yourself to me or talk with me or one of the other pastors on staff. If you still have some questions and you need some, some, you need some answers, come talk with us. Talk with us. I promise you, there's some good answers to your questions. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to the front as you're coming. You know, just, just realize that the purpose of receiving an offering is it's not to pay religious dues or to an admission ticket. The, per the Bible says that the purpose of the tithe is to show that you're putting God first in your life. It is that place that we, we declare the lordship of Jesus over everything, not, not just a part. And so as, as you give, give to the Lord with that confidence that, that God is there. It's inviting God into your, to your finances and, and telling Lucifer, the devil, Satan, the deceiver, the accuser, telling him he has no business in your finances. That's right. Amen. When you have God in your finances, mm -hmm. there can still be warfare. But I'm going to tell you, God's going to win. I can, I'm a living proof that you cannot give God. I can prove it. So, Father, bless this offering. God, bless the hearts that are giving. And for those that are struggling, say, oh, man, it's, God, I pray that they will see, they will see the supernaturalness of inviting you into their finances. And we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, God bless you as you return to the Lord's morning.